Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by one of our rare repeat guests to the show. Todd Capone is a modern-day Ron Burgundy. He's kind of a big deal. Todd joined me two years ago in one of our most downloaded shows of 2020, and we talked about his first book, The Transparency Sale, uh, which was a three-time award-winning bestseller. Uh, he gave us a lot of great insight that people let me know were difference makers. And now Todd's back because he's recently released a new book, The Transparent Sales Leader, something he promised us two years ago he was going to write, and he's delivered on now. I am pumped to discuss this book with him today. Now, for those of you who don't know, Todd works with revenue organizations all around the world on how to leverage transparency to maximize their sales capacity. He also layers in all kinds of science. This guy's a rare breed that gets the art and the science and makes it make sense. He specializes in helping organizations create a more confident, a more frictionless sales experience, and one that moves the needle in a pretty meaningful way. He's worked with some companies of all shapes and sizes, from startups to the most iconic mature companies in the world. And right now, his insights on how to create impact as a sales leader, well, I think they're more important than they've ever been, given what's happening in our economy right now. So if you can't tell from my energy, this is someone I'm super pumped to bring back to the show. It's a conversation I have been geeked up about ever since I scheduled it a few weeks ago. Todd, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. And thanks for joining us. Man, I'm going to burst into tears. That was amazing. <laughs> well, how cool is it that you're deserving of that, man? That's, that's well, all you. legit. You're, you're, you. you're a big deal. And, I, and, and our listeners loved you last time when we were a little smaller. Now that we got 40,000 plus downloads a month, I mean, we're going to make a lot of difference for a lot of people today. And I'm so, super so. excited to have you. That's awesome. Thank you. Why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe update what you've done in the last couple of years so people kind of know who you are and where you fit and what you're working on. Well, yeah, I mean, you teed it up so well. I, I was, you know, my last couple of roles, uh, senior leadership, uh, CRO with a company called Power Reviews. Before that, I was on the sales leadership team of a company called Exact Target through their IPO. And then we sold the business to Salesforce in 2013 for a little under $3 billion. And uh, wrote the book, thought, uh, good for you, Todd, you wrote a book. Like it would be something that I wanted to get the ideas out there. I thought that 
the world of selling needed to change and that transparency, as it turns out, not only sells better than perfection, but it, um, it feels good. And as a result, the kind of the, the world changed. I am uh, I'm teaching, I'm speaking, I'm doing a lot of that stuff. But, you know, this new book that I've written, um, it's about 18 months of research and writing. This one is intense. I'm so proud of, of this guy uh, coming out here very, very shortly. And uh, man, I think it's going to make a difference. I'm excited to read it. Like I said, I can't wait to, like, I devoured your last one. And like I said, man, I've been watching and following. And when you showed that the first copies were starting to come through, I didn't waste time saying time to come back, baby. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you said something I want to start with. I mean, I love that intro. I want to get into what it means. Like you gave us a, a masterclass last time on transparency and sales, why it matters. You said something like we're already doing it. This is what happens on our show that people love and what you and me did last time. I want to sit on this for a minute. We, we may not even go any farther than what I'm about to ask you right now, man. You already <laughs> said it. You said transparent. I wrote it down. You can, you, you, you can see it on my paper. I'll show you transparency is greater than perfection. Like that old alligator, you know, greater yeah. than or less than right. transparency, greater than perfection. What do you mean when you say that? Well, here's the thing for any of you that ever buy anything, right? We as human beings subconsciously know that perfection doesn't exist. It is why this company you may have heard of, uh, I think they're called Amazon. Um, back in 1995, they started allowing people to buy products on their website. And then if they hated it, they could come back, leave a review. It would show up right under the product and the products actually sold better. And that was really the basis for the first book was this idea that when a product has an average review score on a five-star scale between a 4.2 and a 4.5, that's actually optimal for purchase conversion, meaning a product that's got negative reviews right under it will sell better than a product that's got nothing but perfect five-star reviews. Now, that's when a human being is acting as, a, as the salesperson. Or I'm sorry, that's when a website's acting as a salesperson. I went through the behavioral science to figure out, all right, why does that happen? And would that happen when a human being or in a B2B world, would, would, would that have the same type of impact? And as it turns out, the answer is yes. That... On a website, 85% of us go read the negative reviews first. And so as it turns out, then as a human being, when we lead with transparency, we lead with flaws or something that a competitor does better or something that that customer may or may not like, uh, especially about your solution, we disarm the buying brain. We allow them to be able to predict. And again, our brains are wired to know that perfection doesn't exist. And so... Like that's why negative reviews work on a website, but it's also why in human to human type selling, when we are transparent and we're understanding that our role is to help the buyer predict, it's not to convince them. That, that's a difference, right? That the future of sales is not that sales is a role that we have to convince people. It is a role where we help the buyer predict whether or not our solution is going to be right for them or not as quickly as possible. That's, that's the transparency piece, right? So transparency sells better than perfection. The, the reason I wrote that first book was that because of the proliferation of reviews and feedback and everything we do buy and experience today, we got to do it anyway, right? Like, yeah. and, and like you and I were joking, I've got a whole library of books from the yeah. late 1800s, early 1900s. We've always known that honesty sells, but we never really fully embraced it, but we got to do it now. 
and, and that's where that whole piece started with the transparency sale was how do we do it? I'm not advocating that we go into every sales cycle and be like, hey, this is why we suck. Like, no, take it easy. That four, two to four, five is important. But yeah. like, how do you do it? How do you execute it from messaging, positioning, presenting, negotiating all the way to the way that you take care of customers long-term? So I'm glad that we started with this, this idea, because I, in fact, I remember, if I remember correctly, when we did our last episode together, we called it, you, you brought up this Tyra Banks statement of being yes. Flossom. And I think yes. we named our, our episode, you know, being Flossom. Right. Uh, and, and, and I, I haven't forgotten that. I, I like that. And so I loved your book. I love this idea of your flossomeness. You're awesome because of your flaws. But now we're talking about applying this concept of transparency to leadership, yes. right? Right. So what, is, what does that even mean? Like when you say the transparent leader, can we start with what that even means? Well, yeah, let's take a step back because okay. um, here's my story of leadership. And I, for anybody who's listening to this, I'm willing to bet that most of you have the same story. Okay. Um, I always, like I was a B, B plus sales rep, but I always knew that sales leadership was my thing. Like I wanted to lead. I love to coach. I love to teach. I love all of that. Um, I, I got the call in 2008. Um, so I was running like sales ops for a tech company. CEO was like, Todd, we think you're ready. Like, woohoo, right? I, okay. I, he'd been coaching me into it. Um, all of a sudden I'm running worldwide sales for a Silicon Valley startup. Um, that's 14 years ago, uh, 13 years ago, 28 days and about uh, 26 hours ago, I realized what the hell am I doing? Yeah. And, and here's what I mean. Um, in sales, you've got a process, you've got a structure, you've got a framework, uh, you've got a whole supporting organization behind you. As a sales leader, I quickly realized that I was a dog chasing a car down the street that every morning my day was guided by whatever fire was going on and I had no structure or no process. And that's not how my brain works. Okay. So I immediately sat down and I created a framework for sales leadership that long ago. And it's called the five F's of building re the revenue capacity. And I'll rattle off what the five F's are for everybody. So they've got it, but it became my structure from which I did all of my planning and strategizing, all of my communicating, all my one-on-ones, all my due diligence, all my board presentations, it became a structure so that I always had something to fall back on. And when the bullets started flying, I like, could see the holes before they formed. And then over these years, I've added in all the, the science and the sincerity of, hey, the, the transparency piece of that is as a sales leader, like nobody wants to run behind somebody who sucks. Nobody wants to run behind somebody who's chasing a car down the street. Um, to have a structure and a process that not only you use, but you're sharing so that everybody knows where the ship is headed, man, that like that has such powerful implications on those individuals that run behind you. And so the, the, the book is the five F's of building revenue capacity. So, so you know, I got 40,000 leaders that got to hear the five F's. They're yeah, just and like, they're gonna, they're gonna, they got their right pen now. ready, man. Exactly. So here, here's the, the story. You as a sales leader or a revenue leader, you've got five responsibilities. Everything you do falls into one of the five. Okay. All right. So here we go. Number one is you've got a responsibility to build, maintain, and grow your team's focus. So the first F is focus, meaning when they wake up in the morning, what are the firmographics, the demographics, the pre like what are the companies and the individuals within those companies that they need to be focused on, right? Yep. My, my policy as a CRO is always no science projects. 
the most valuable asset we all have in our inventory to turn into revenue is our time. And so our first responsibility initially and ongoing is to the focus. Once you've built that focus and you maintain it, you grow it and you manage to it, you then have to build a field to support that focus. And the field are the individuals, their roles, their titles, their experiences, their geos, the tools, the resources, the compensation, all of those pieces. What is the field that is going to best allow us to get at that focus, right? Not the other way around. So we've built our focus. We've got a field resources team to support it. Our third initial and ongoing responsibility is to the fundamentals. So we as sales leaders always have a responsibility to make sure that our team is doing the right things right consistently. Our messaging, positioning, prospecting, process, presenting, demos, discovery, negotiating, handoffs, all of that. You've got an ongoing responsibility to make sure that your team is executing the fundamentals properly and consistently. Number four, no surprise, you've got a responsibility to the forecast. You've got to be able to hone the organization's ability to predict the future within a standard deviation. And under forecast also encompasses all of your KPIs, all your metrics, the things that you measure to make sure that you can be proactive versus reactive. And then your fifth F is arguably the most important. It might sound the cheesiest, but it's fun. And fun is about building a culture where you have maximized the intrinsic inspiration of your team so that they show up every day, they stay, they do their best, and they become advocates for your organization. Now, there is not one responsibility that you've got as a sales leader that doesn't fall into one of those five. Once you've internalized those, you can use them again for all your planning, strategizing, communicating, everything you do. And it became the basis for everything I did. That that fifth piece, that fun, there's a whole nother pocket of uh, science and behavioral science around the motivation. So the way the book is structured is that the first section of the book is the five Fs and then tools and resources they can use to apply those. A lot of it's counterintuitive. A lot of it is myth busting. And then the second part is the science of intrinsic inspiration and how to create a team that is going to run behind you and stick around and help you do some amazing things. So that that's Dude. the five Fs and the structure of this thing. Dude, this is awesome. I, I, uh, if all we got was this, this, this is awesome. Now you said that what the rest of the book's about, I got tons of places I want to go. We are 100% going to run out of time. I'm just going to call it right now. We're going to 100% <laughs> run out of time. Um, you, you talk about myth busting. I for sure want to save some time in this conversation for myth busting. Don't let me run out of time. Okay. That's, yes, yeah. You're getting assignment. Do not let me not talk about myth busting. So I, I love all of these. One of the things that really sticks out at me is your definition of field. That, that, that might not be a big deal to some people, but I like how it's more than just people. It's this ecosystem that you create. I, I really like all of these. I mean, we could have an episode and run out of time on just focus or just feel or just fundamentals and yeah. all the way down to fun. Um, so how does this relate to transparency when you have these five, these five Fs? Well, yeah, I mean, so transparency is about this ability to embrace what you know and what you don't know and become a leader that people want to run behind, right? And so here was the thing, when that, back in 2008, when I talked about that promotion, one thing I didn't mention is that this sales organization that we had was a bunch of grizzled veteran reps. Um, I was taken over as you know, VP of worldwide sales or whatever the title was. I was the youngest person on the entire sales organization. 
And I immediately knew that my role, and this is just my feeling on what sales leadership is. I always felt that I'm no better or no more important than anybody on the team. I'm, right. I just have different responsibilities, right? And like, that's where it starts is as a sales leader, my responsibility is to, you know, instill the discipline to help the company achieve their sales objectives and honing that through the team that we've built. And so I always felt like being transparent about what I know, what I don't know, what I'm struggling with, how I'm measuring things, how I'm structuring things, how I'm thinking about things is the, here, here's the, uh, there, there's a piece of science in this book that I really dive into. And I, I'm becoming a believer that, you know, when I talked about our role as salespeople is to help buyers predict. Yep. Our, our role as sales leaders is to help sellers predict. That, you know, like that's part of our role as sales leaders is when you go to bed at night, when you know what you're waking up to the next morning, you sleep better, you perform better, you're more creative, your IQ goes up. And that's part of our role as sales leaders is to help our salespeople to predict. And that comes through having structures and processes and not being, the, again, I keep going back to the dog chasing the car down the street, but that randomness, that uncertainty is a crazy maker for all of our brains. And so being a transparent sales leader starts with having the confidence in the structure and then being able to share that so your team can predict. And when they predict, their IQs are at their top, their confidence is at their top, their creativity is at their top, they perform and they run behind you. So I'm all about role. I always start everything with role. So when you said, what's the role of leader? You had me at hello. That's the Jerry Maguire moment. For me. You had me at hello. <laughs> and you just gave me a role that I've never heard before. And I love it immediately. Um, this idea of predicting, it's not predicting the outcomes of the sales. It's predicting the amount of ambiguity and chaos they'll face in a day, if I'm understanding correctly. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, what's a salesperson's role? A salesperson's role is to instill confidence in the buyers, right? Yeah. A sales leader, part of our role is to instill confidence in our sellers. And that- See, I'm oh, interrupting you, sorry. I, I love how you're saying this. You're saying something that I believe all the way, Todd, like role of a salesperson. Sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. I didn't invent that. You've heard that lots of times. Right. Yes, okay? exactly. I, I did not invent that. Well, what I, where I've taken it is, so if sales is about the transfer of enthusiasm, I believe that for sales leadership, it's about the, it's about the transfer of belief. And so I love what you're saying. It's, you're saying it so articulately and so interestingly, you've got 40,000 sales leaders that right now I hope are taking a pen saying, how do I create that level of predictability? How do I create that belief that you're talking about? So I'm sorry yeah. that I interrupted you. Keep going. Well, no, I mean, everything that we have to do as salespeople, there's anxiety involved in making a cold call and negotiating and doing a demo and losing a deal and forecasting. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a hard job. And that's why I think those five Fs become so important. That if I'm able to walk into a sales team and go, hey, listen, this is the way that I think about sales leadership. Um, we're going to do some things that maybe are a bit counterintuitive. But number one is we're gonna hone our focus so that we're spending every minute of our day on the most optimal uh, like potential outcomes all day long, right? And here's the way that I think about it. And being able to walk through that stuff, like who doesn't wanna run behind somebody who's got a structure or a process? I just did a session this morning for a group of sales leaders. And one of the questions that I asked them before the, the thing started was, 
you know, as you got promoted into sales leadership and all of that, like how many of you have a structure, have a process, have something that you share with your teams? And out of the 40, 50 people that were on the, the number was zero. Yeah. That doesn't right. surprise me. Let's yeah. talk about that for a second. Can we sit in that for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think that's a big deal. Like we, we've seen what's happened, call it the last 10, call it the last 15 years. I don't care. Organizations have invested heavily in sales process. Yes or no? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Sales tools. Yes or no? Yeah. Oh, dude, I'll go on a rant about that if you allow yeah, me. Yeah, we will. Okay. Sales training. Yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay. All those things. But those same companies that have invested heavily, even in salespeople, right? The right people. Where's the sales leadership training? Right. Where's the sales leadership process like you talk about? Where are those sales leadership tools? Usually it's just a rolled up dashboard on Salesforce somewhere or something like that. Well, exactly. So rant yeah. on, baby, because I think this is a big deal. What you're talking about is an epidemic facing sales leaders. Well, yeah. And how do you blame people, right? Part of yeah. it is, you know, it's when you've got organizations. So, he, all right, I'm going to go on a little sales history rant. Do it. Second, if you'll allow okay. me. Do so, it. Um, here's the thing. We as a sales profession tend to stand on, uh, to step on the same rake over and over again. Um, that like, if you look throughout history, so I'm a sales history nerd. Um, something happened a hundred years ago that I just want to bring up okay. hundred years ago. So the year 1922, 1922, the sales world experienced 85% salesperson turnover, 85%, Whoa. 1921, 77%. Now, that was during something called the depression of the early 1920s that nobody talks about. But the run-up to it looks exactly like today. Exactly to the point where it freaked me out. We had a period of slow and steady growth. We had an economic shutdown. So 1918, we went into World War I here in the US, shut down the entire economy. 2020, we had COVID shut down the economy for a short period of time. We were only in the war for a little while in 1918. We came out, there was a huge spike in activity. The economy exploded. There were more sales roles available than salespeople by a huge landslide. Sound familiar? Yeah. That uh, salespeople, even the crappy ones, were leaving and chasing money, right? Um, so huge supply demand issue. Then 1920, huge inflation spike, followed by a depression. Now, when I look at what's happened the last few years here, we had that slow, steady growth. We had an economic shutdown. We had in 2021, we had more newly minted tech unicorns in that one year than we had had in the previous four years combined. And that 2020 was the record breaking year of all time. And wow. it was like 160. We did 569 new unicorns in 2021. We should have seen this bubble coming, right? No way. Now, now my, and like, I was screaming it from the mountaintops and like, people are like, yeah, whatever, Todd, there's too much cash. Like, no, it's coming. There, there's trouble coming right now. Why I go through that rant is when you've got that much money going into series B, series C, these growth rounds, these companies have to prioritize hiring salespeople and getting their feet on the street to where the words coming out of their mouth are allowing that company to get their message out, right? That products are practically selling themselves. And the importance of optimized sales leadership is low. When a market is exploding, the correlation between optimized sales leadership and sales execution is low. When the economy starts to shift, that shift goes diametric to that, right? 
to where all of a sudden now, if we are hitting into a recession or whatever we're in right now, the importance of optimized sales leadership is flipped. Now, given the priorities a year, two years ago, you had to make sure that you had salespeople with their lips moving and words coming out that equated to your optimal messaging. And that is priority number one, two, and three. And having leaders that make sure that the team stays and that they were recruiting people that can steam up a piece of glass, uh, like that was, the, that, that was our role. And, and now it's all shifted, right? And so now we've got to go back to this shift. And so I don't blame companies for missing out on that. Right. But there is an assumption that if you've been promoted into sales leadership, you must know how to sell and you've probably been led before. And for most of these people that I was even talking to this morning, like where do you get your, your philosophy, your methodology on sales leadership? And the answer is always, well, uh, these four leaders I worked for were great. I took pieces of theirs. These two sucked. I decided not to do that part. And that's my methodology. And like, that's, that, that's how we got here. And I, I think, again, as things tighten up, we need to shift back to getting to structure and process again. So let's sit in that for a minute. I love how this is free flow, man. I mean, you, this is a killer conversation and, and my, our listeners are going to be pissed when we run out of time. Um, <laughs> Because you're right, the economy is changing. I mean, layoffs are happening. And, and what was like ridiculous, stupid hiring where B and C players were getting paid like they were Circle of Excellence or President's Club winners, right? Yeah. And because they could do what you said. I could have my mouth going and, and I, could, I could do the company line. So now that it's changing, when you say optimize sales leadership, I love that term. I've, I'm on page three of my notes here, brother. Okay. And... and I love this term, optimized sales leadership. You used it two or three times in the story yeah. that you just gave. Um, what does that mean? Like I, I got 40,000 listeners. I, like tell them what optimized sales leadership means to you. It's looking at all five of the Fs and making sure that you're doing each one properly. I mean, that's it, right? That again, going back to your focus, like are we calling on the right accounts at the right time and the right individuals within them? Do we have the right team members in the right places to be able to support that focus? Do we have the right tools and the right resources that help those customers achieve their outcomes and not from a selfish perspective? Let's look at the fundamentals. Are we consistent in our messaging and positioning? Are we consistent in the way that we're doing discovery and qualification and like is our, our proposals and our pricing model and our negotiating and all that? And then again, like optimize, meaning your forecast, not only your forecast, but the, the KPIs and the metrics that you're measuring. Are you allowing yourself to be proactive instead of reactive? That's being optimal. And then that fun piece, let, let's talk about, like, let's unpack yeah. the fun piece for a second. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, this is a crazy analogy, but you know, if you're on Japanese death row, so you're on you're in, in Japan, you're on death row. Okay. Right? Guess what? What? You are never told what day it's coming. Meaning every night when you go to bed, you wonder you what's up, gonna happen. You, 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 the next morning, it might be today, right? It might Stop. Be, right. Um, <laughs> and so that as crazy as that sounds. So you're on death row. Last year, 2021, Japanese death row inmates filed a class action lawsuit against the Japanese government calling that practice inhumane. Now, like that sounds crazy, right? You're on death row and that's inhumane? Well, I look at sales leadership during these downturns 
And I think, you know what, in some ways, when you talked about there's, there's um, layoffs going on and, right. and there's lots of leaders that are staying silent with their teams about what's going on in their own organizations. And maybe those individuals have nothing to worry about, but your reps might be going to bed at night uncertain about what's about to hit them the next morning. Hmm. And so part of optimal sales leadership is again, helping your sellers to predict, helping them to sleep better at night, helping them to perform their best when they wake up in the next morning. And part of that is like one of the things that I've been telling every sales leader, whether you're in good shape or you're not, is to have that conversation with your team and then schedule regular updates so that your team can predict. It's just simple little behavioral stuff like that so that your reps don't go to bed at night wondering whether tomorrow is the day that they get the call. Dude, that is such a great analogy. And you're right. I'd never heard that about Japan. What a, that's, yeah, that just the, I, I, anyway, that is so great. And so now I see why even clearer why the five F's are like this. I almost like I have this, this, I, this image, like we are dropping down lenses in glasses, glasses frames. And as you do the first F and the second F and the third F and the fourth F and the fifth, all of a sudden it gets clear. Now yeah. it's clear, right? Well, because I've got the focus, I've got the field, the tools, right. I've got the fundamentals. I know what to do, how to do it, what good looks like. I understand how to predict the, with the forecast. And most of all, I enjoy, I'm finding fulfillment and, 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 and energy that comes from that. I get it, man. I see it. Yeah. And one of the things when you talk about the lenses, another quick story. Yeah. Uh, for any of your leaders, uh, when you're in like senior leadership, if you ever take a funding round, yep. quick word of advice, um, make sure you hit your first quarter. Um, oh my gosh. I, I didn't uh, one time. And so it was uh, 2009, 2010. We take a round. Uh, we immediately do like 94%. So not terrible, but you know, our, our board, our chairman, like Sandhill Road guy, old school quarter ends june 30th july 1st i get a call from my ceo saying hey todd pack your bags come out uh to the valley uh we're gonna get in a room it was sequoia uh we're gonna get in a room at sequoia with the chairman they're bringing in a forensic sales expert to basically beat your ass all over the room for half a day um and see like see what happened all right so I fly out there. I, so me and my CEO, chairman, this forensic guy, this forensic guy was awesome. Like he's freaking brilliant. But with the five Fs, what happened was I was able to control the agenda and the whole conversation. So it starts oh. off and I'm like, hey, listen, Mike, this is the way that I think about sales leadership. Here's my structure and process. I wrote the five Fs on a whiteboard. I'm like we're gonna go through each one of these things. You pound away. At the end of three and a half hours, this guy looks at me. And again, I'm a rookie to sales leadership. He looks at me, he looks at the chairman and says, this guy's world-class. Now, I was not world-class. I love that I, story. I, but to have the structure and the process, man, it makes you bulletproof, right? Now, the bad news was uh, the chairman then looked into the soul of my CEO and asked me while looking into the soul of my CEO to leave the room and go wait for us in the lobby. And I think it was quickly determined that it might've been my CEO's fault that we missed our number. But besides the point, that structure and process, man, that's your lenses. And it comes all together as a cohesive strategy for optimal sales leadership. It's brilliant. I love it. Those are the lenses, man. Um, 
So I want to ask you a couple of questions around this. We're, we're down to like 15 minutes. Like I'm so, and, and I told you we have to do myth busting. So make sure we have time for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about your five lenses, your five, your five F's. I imagine that, I mean, you've got to be ridiculously intentional to be in charge of all five. And I imagine that it's not okay to have three and not five or even four and not five. Like how important is it for our sales leaders that are listening to choose and make sure they go five for five with this? Well, it becomes the structure for everything. So like my one- Is that a fair question? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was like my one-on-ones with my CEO, like every week our agenda was the five Fs. Okay. Right? Like I, I would walk in with, we had a Google doc, it was a shared Google doc. We'd always start with fun, right? Like we'd always start with what's going on, the inspiration of the team, but then we would go through and work together on our focus and the field and like how we're optimizing that and the fundamentals and where we need help and the forecast. Of course, we go through the forecast. It, the five Fs does not mean that like you have to be an expert on all those things, but it's got to be your guide. And got like it. The, again, you're, it's the GPS in the car and not the, the dog chasing it. And, and, and that's, that's always the way that I thought about it. And again, like I would go into board meetings and you'd have a board meeting and they'd be like, all right, Todd, like give us the sales update. And I was like, yes. And they're like, oh, is it the F and five S? Of course it is. Right. And like, they knew it and they knew that we were like completely buttoned up on everything we do. And so you've got to, again, that's part of transparency is like, you're not going to get all of them perfect. I'm a, a fundamentalist from a sales perspective and always have but like my teams, I had huge sales teams. They weren't getting all the fundamentals right all the time. Like I knew that, right? Our forecast was not perfect all the time. Uh, I knew that, right? But to be able to know it and see it and to be thinking about it every day versus losing your focus on something because you're going down a rat hole of something else all day long, that's where sales leaders get themselves in trouble. Well, and as I listen to you talk, and thank you for being transparent in your answer about it, um, I want to go back to the first thing I asked you about, that statement that transparency is greater than perfection. And um, in fact, that might be the title of this this episode, right? Because what a great answer. You you made me realize it was actually a stupid question because the first thing you said was, we're never perfect. We're going to choose transparency. We're going to be transparent on what our structure is, and we're also going to be transparent on where we are. But maybe more important is where are we going? right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. I, I love it. I mean, I, I love it. That's how hard is this to implement? I, it's the easiest thing in the world. Tell me like, why. Literally. I mean, it's seriously, I, the number of times in my career that I've either asked or been asked by somebody for, Hey, uh, Rob, um, do you happen to have a good 30, 60, 90 day plan that I can use like a oh template or something? Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is, this is your plan. Like create, get a spreadsheet out and go five F's go 30, 60, 90 days across the top. And then, you know, your first 30 days is evaluate, right? Like in each one, how are we doing on each one? Like, does my team wake up in the morning, Catholic shooting at ducks all over a field? Or like, do you feel like if they've got 400 accounts, they know which five they're calling on today, right? Like start there, look at your field organization. Like, do we have the right people in the right seats? Do we have the right tools and the right resources? Like fundamentals, break down each one of the five, you know, whether it's messaging, positioning, presenting, demoing, negotiating, go through your forecast. Like how, what, what's my standard deviation on this? How am I doing uh, the metrics? Do I feel like I can predict through them fun? How's my turnover? How's my involuntary turnover? How's my volunteer start there, right? Like that takes you spreadsheet. We can do it together right now on a whiteboard. 
and then like and then all right here's where we're broken here's where we need to fix and where i'm going to need help and then here's the execution plan you could do this as soon as you get done listening to this you could have a 30 60 90 day plan done in an hour and if so that's a really great piece of advice for starting if you're new and if you're if you're someone that's enrolled and you want to adopt this you probably can just say here's what i think i mean i could see yeah. I could see this being a good guide for doing one-on-ones with reps too. Exactly. That's how we did it. So I yeah. did it with my, my CEO, but then my frontline leaders, but then my reps, I did it with um, even like, I would do one-on-ones with my CMO, right? And like with my CMO, we would sit down and go, all right, where's our focus? Uh, like what are the tools and the resources that we need? What are the fundamentals in our messaging and positioning? Uh, let's forecast that top of funnel. And then let's talk about the things that are keeping everybody inspired and do some fun things to keep everybody motivated. Like the, the five Fs apply really beyond just revenue, but they can be used up and down, side to side across organizations. All right. So we're going to make sure we have a link to get the book so they can get the five Fs and they'll dive into it. Get the book, get the rest of the story. We're, we're, you don't get the cliff notes here. Go buy the freaking book and read it. Um, <laughs> let's, let's spend a couple minutes on myth busting because I really, really am interested in this because sure. the fact that you have a whole category on myth busting tells me there's probably some important common things that we can help people overcome. Well, yeah. Can we pick one or two of those? Because we got like six minutes, man. Yeah. Well, let's, um, there's one thing that I just, I, I had a revelation through sales history. Okay. And I just, I want to share it. And like, I think you might find this funny, you know, um, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, that movie, Yep. Alec Baldwin, Blake comes in and he's got on his whiteboard AIDA. Yep. Right. And it's gross. Like I watched it a couple of nights ago, cried myself to sleep. Yes. Um, but there's something he got right. So starting with that as the backdrop, I want you to think about this for a second. You know, when I read my books from 100 years ago, you know what was not a big problem? Sales forecasting. And okay. all of your reps were remote. You didn't talk to them. You didn't have Slack. You had nothing. You didn't even have a CRM. Yet they were getting forecasting right now. Why? Here's the thing about AIDA. AIDA, attention is the customer paying attention, right? Interest, are they interested? D, Desire, like have we instilled a desire and are they taking action? Do you recognize that in 1898, Elias St. Elmo Lewis came up with this idea that all buyers go through four stages on their buying journey, right? No. And every, and it was AIDA. AIDA wow. came up, it was 1898 by that guy. It became the basis for every single sales process and sales forecasting methodology from 1898 through the 1940s. No way. It was focused on recognizing buyer behavior. All right, recognizing buyer behavior, every single one. Now, 1950s come around, 1960s, we start to shift and every sales forecast started becoming based on recognizing what sellers are doing. Seller activities, which right? is why forecasting sucks. It, it, 100%, yeah. Salesforce even today still preaches and right out of the box, every stage is discovery, qualification, proposal, demo negotiate, right? It's what sellers are doing. I think, first of all, there is a huge opportunity for us to, we don't have to blow up Salesforce stages, but you can layer on top. And as sales leaders, your forecast can get so much better almost overnight by layering in the lens of helping your buyers to recognize, or sorry, helping your sellers to recognize buyer behavior. I'm a believer that, you know, I'll, and this is, I did not make this up, but AIDA, the modern version of that is all of your buyers go through a why change, right? Like, why is my status quo no longer sustainable? 
They then go through a decision as to whether to make that change with you or with some other solution. And then they go to why now? And I'll argue with you all day long about the order of those. But okay. if you layer that across the top of your forecast, you can start to get a more, like we have systemically created a monster within our selling organizations around forecasting, around we say we're buyer centric, but then every endorphin rush a seller gets is based on their own activities. That's wrong. I want to fix that. And I've created, there's a whole chapter on forecasting in the book about how we shift that and get it back to a buyer centric forecast. And when we did it at Power Reviews, our forecast was insanely accurate. I love that. I love that. I, I have been screaming that one as well. I'm so glad you published on it. I I can't wait to read it. I, I believe that stages should have a mission and the ne very next thing should be, what's the verifier? What's the thing a customer does that gives you evidence that this was accomplished? Yeah. And then what are the activities you do that can engineer those experiences on purpose? So I can't wait to read this. Yeah, and I'll give you two more myths in there. Let's have them, let's, let's go, because we only got more. like three minutes, let's go. Right, so number one is I believe that the word commit is a dirty word. Oh. That I, I am a believer that- That's dirty look, talk, by the way, to hear you say that. So keep well, going. Yeah, I mean- if you really think about the behavioral science of what it requires an individual to give a commitment, first of all, commitment is the opposite of transparency. What salesperson has ever given an honest commitment, right? Like if you've got a great quarter coming, you're going to undercommit. If you've got a terrible quarter coming, you're going to overcommit. Like that's just what we do, number one. But number two is when we make a commitment to a deal, to an opportunity, and that deal goes off the rails, who's the last person you're going to go to to try to get it fixed? Your yeah. leader. That's right? the last Instead one of the for first sure. Person. So that's, that's number one. It's like, I believe, and I've got a whole piece and I go a lot deeper, but number two is I believe that like it was something that we did at power reviews. We used to celebrate losses, right? Instead of just going, Oh, you know, poor you Rob, like, sorry about your deal. We would celebrate it to the point where even one time we did a champagne toast for a rep that lost a big deal. And here's why they're already getting hit in the pocket. They're getting hit in the quota. We wanted to celebrate them for their effort, but also for the lessons learned. Because when we don't do that, our reps will either be blaming something, our forecast becomes inaccurate because deals suddenly, uh, the close dates get pushed out three, six months, they suddenly become suspects again. We wanted to create an environment where losing is not only okay, but it's celebrated and embraced. And when we started doing that, the whole shift in our culture and intrinsic inspiration shifted and our forecast became accurate because reps were not afraid. When something didn't smell right, they were coming to their leaders first instead of last. And that's, that's the difference there, right? We've got to celebrate losses and eliminate the word commit from the vernacular and get back to buyer-centric forecasting. And I'm telling you, it, it'll change the way that you predict your business. You just said something else and I, I don't have time to explore it, but I want to, I want to lay it down because we turn a lot of these into video clips that you'll get and we'll members of sales leadership United see, you just said something else that I wish we had time to explore, but I want to throw it down. Okay. Yeah. You know, what kind of leader you are based on what kind of things your team brings to you. Right. And like, yes. I love how you said that. Like, so think about that for a second. Like if they're only bringing you the optimistic forecast that tells you what kind of leader you are. But if they're coming to the leader sooner when there's a problem, and it's not just helping me win, it's about this concept of being predictive. Like, what are they bringing you tells you tremendous things and what kind of leader you are, right? 
Well, that's the thing. We, we talked about transparency sells better than perfection, but yep. transparency also begets transparency. This right? is a good way to finish. Take this yeah. home, man. Take this exactly. home. Okay? Right? You know, if you want to create an environment where, like, again, like I talked about before that, hey, I'm no better than anybody that works under, like in my organization, we just have different responsibilities and different roles. And that requires a bed of transparency. And you're not going to get it unless you start and you are transparent yourself, right? Embrace your, as Tyra Banks calls it, your flossum, that you are not perfect, that there are certain things that you need to work on, but you've got structure and you've got process and you're somebody that's worth running behind. That's where it starts. And when you embrace that transparency, your team will become more transparent. They'll run behind you. They'll stay, they'll perform and your forecast will get a lot more accurate too. And you'll love that. Uh, this has been so good. I can't believe we're out of time with the one or two minutes. Like I, I don't want to short you on this. How do our listeners get more of you? We got a lot of people who are, their minds are blowing up right now. How do they connect to you? How do they get more from you? We're going to make it easy for them to buy your book. We're going to put links in there, but I know you've got a history of sales podcast. You got a lot of, of places people can connect to you. How do they get more of Todd Capone? Yeah. I mean, toddcapone.com is just like everything's there, blog posts, the podcast videos, um, links to the book. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon. It'll be available on Kindle. And we had to do a short run of the paper books, uh, paperback books, the printing issues, the economy, like all that fun stuff. Yep. So like if the book is showing is sold out, be patient. We've got a lot more coming. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm everywhere. Then yeah, the, the sales history podcast, I just do that for fun. I just rant monologue style on different topics from sales history's past. And hopefully you get some enjoyment and I try to make it relevant and lessons learned to today. He has been teaching people that transparency trumps perfection for years. And today he just gave us a masterclass on how to do that as a sales leader. Uh, I, I hope that you found this as empowering and as insightful and as motivating as I did. I am ready to go. I'm ready to go interact with the team right now, man. Thank you, Todd, for bringing some fire to this conversation. Thank you for what you do for the sales leader profession. Thank you for everything you've done to make this show outstanding. And as I say to everybody, buddy, happy selling. Thanks, brother. I'll come on every week if you want me to. <laughs> Careful what you promise. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, great sales training in place, but the company's left you on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, your sales leadership tools. And your sales leadership training. And while I found there's no shortcuts to success, you can absolutely get there faster if you take the most direct route. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United as a resource center for every single sales leader, no matter how long you've been leading sales teams. Listen, if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the sales leadership content in our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts broken down into three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. But there's way more than that. You're going to find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, dozens of sales meeting meetings in a box that are ready to go so you can have sales meetings that people would buy a ticket to attend. 
leadership systems, coaching systems, and much, much more. This is designed for the sales leader who doesn't have to reinvent stuff and can take things that are proven, uh, tools, training, and tactics by some of the world's most successful sales leaders. You can find it all in Sales Leadership United. So don't go try and reinvent sales leadership. Tap into that proven training, those proven techniques used by people all around the world that are making things happen at an elite level and head to Sales Leadership United. Now, I also want to thank you, our listeners. We've got we're approaching 45,000 listeners now. And as crazy as that is, the show just goes faster and faster. We're going to be at 50,000 before you know it. It's mind-boggling to me that the show's been listened to by so many leaders in so many countries all around the world. And many have told, have told me you've listened to every single one of these episodes. So thank you, because there's no show without you. I do this because I love the sales leadership community. I'm so grateful that so many of you find the show helpful. Um, your support's been humbling, it's been inspiring, and I will keep bringing stuff to you week in, week out. Now, let's get back to Todd. I have been looking forward to having Todd on the show ever since I did the first episode with him back in like 2019. He told me way back then he had plans to write on the Transparent Sales Leader, and I've been watching for it. And so I got, I've got it. I've consumed it. I, the book is amazing. I, I read it ridiculously fast. It's such an insightful book for every single sales leader. This so what could just be get Todd's book and then you can thank me for it. Uh, if you're looking to become a more impactful, more meaningful, more successful sales leader, get a hold of it. Get a hold of the Transparent Sales Leader because it's fantastic. In fact, I'm working with Todd to have him come to Sales Leadership United and do a book review with, with our members that are there. Um, I really, really appreciated Todd being on the show. Because discussing how we can be stronger leaders in the challenging times of change by being more transparent is a big deal. Because he's right. Transparency beats perfection every single time. We don't have to be the know-it-all leaders. In fact, salespeople don't like the know-it-all. For those of you that are familiar with my 21 Laws of Sales Leadership, law number three is an important one. Leaders on pedestals make easy targets. And in any company and with any leader... Perfection simply doesn't exist. So Todd's advice of embracing what we do know and what we don't know is really, really important. Listen, we're in a time of real change right now, significant change. And as a leader of salespeople during this time of meaningful change, transparency is going to help you. And it's going to help you a lot. It'll give you credibility. It will help create buy-in. It'll tap into the parts of people that you can't get access to any other way. You know, there were so many things Todd Todd talked about that were so meaningful. It made me super excited just to consume that book. And I had multiple pages of notes. And I, I can't wait to turn this into a bunch of little segments for you to check out on video so you can have like these three to six minute nuggets from Todd. Um, but I, I loved how he talked about how challenging things are for reps when they get left in the dark, the anxiety that comes from that. And he compared it to... Uh, the history of how Japan's death row has worked, that these prisoners are not notified on the date they're going to be executed until the morning that's going to happen. They wake up in the morning and they're notified that day that today's your day, it's your execution day. And and every single day, these prisoners live in fear. They wake up wondering, is this going to be their last day? And it actually led to a lawsuit by the inmates against the government with the claim that it was an inhumane practice. And 
it's just as negative an experience to wonder what the focus is of the company or where's the company going as we had these times and where does someone stand in their career? I, I, I was on the call with one of my clients just this morning that their company is going through some changes and, and she wanted to be defensive and share with me, like, do I need to be like really vocal and like put my numbers out in front and remind everybody how good I am and that I need to, to be able to make the cut at a time where layoffs might be happening. And, um, and that was interesting because there wasn't that culture of transparency and what it led to was anxiety and it led to fear. And I've seen it happen in a lot of companies in the last couple of months, uh, in particular. And so this is something that you should be thinking about. Okay. Um, you don't want to create that negative experience. So my advice is go look at the five F's. You can listen to them here. You can go watch the videos in sales leadership United best is going to be by the book. Um, but be transparent. It's okay for focus to change. Things change. Companies need to change. Companies need to adapt. That's just part of what a successful company does. And that's one of the reasons the 5F framework is so killer. Because you always start with focus. It starts with, this is what we're focused on. Then it goes to field. This is what we're bringing to the table to support the focus. Then it goes to fundamentals. Here's what good looks like as we execute around this focus. Then it goes to forecast. Here's how we're going to forecast. This is what we need to, you know, this is what we predict is going to happen around achieving this focus. But then maybe most important is what he finished with. Here's how we're keeping fun. Listen, I got a lot of clients right now that are talking to me that, that, they need to find a way to bring fun back. And we've had some fun talking about it as me with leaders. So let's channel our inner Justin Timberlake where he had that song, I'm bringing sexy back. Well, we got to make sure we're bringing fun back. And one of my clients said to me, yeah, I'm trying to get budget so I can throw some parties and do some happy hours and stuff. And I said, yeah, do that. Get that budget. You should do those things whenever you can, if you can. But I don't want you to think fun is only going to be the party. There's a lot of things you can do around making things fun. It's, it starts with this culture of celebration, and it's not just waiting until the big deals are done at the end. We want to celebrate all the way through, and there's so many ways we can make it fun. And, and that's something you should be thinking about. I've got a lot of content around that in Sales Leadership United as well. But for Todd's work here today, it starts with focus and it remains fun. If you have those as the bread on your sandwich, focus is one end and fun is the other, and the meat in the middle are fundamentals and field and forecast you can't lose okay uh, he's been using it for years I, i've been like directing people to read this and, and think about the five f's it's been amazing to me how fast people are seeing impact from it and we have a few things happening in the world around us right now that makes this really timely and maybe even easier to give these five f's a try you know for example, we're at the midpoint of the year. What's your second half focus, right? Start with that. Lead with the focus for the second half. For some of my clients, the focus is more new logos. For some of my clients, it's more expansion. For some of my clients, it's selling a very specific brand new product that would be transformational for them. For some of my clients, it's pricing changes. They're responding to what's happening in the marketplace. They're responding to what's happening to some of the operational challenges. And so they're changing their pricing and that's creating some other areas of emphasis. So just make sure you lead with focus. Have everybody know what the focus is because that goes a long way to getting members of your team on board with where they need to go. Listen, sales always has had ambiguities that create anxiety. That's just the way it is. And that anxiety is real because it can get worse and it can get crippling and even paralyzing at times of change. 
So make sure the members of your team know what they can expect. Hone your focus because then and only then can the members of your team maximize their time and attention on the things that matter most. So apply Todd's principles of transparent leadership. Make sure the members of your team know what to expect from the company. Make sure they know what to expect from you as a leader. And maybe most of all, what they can expect from themselves. You'll be shocked at just how inspiring and empowering this is to the members of your team. So be transparent. Because optimized sales leadership happens when all five Fs are firing. Transparency beats perfection. Chase it. Your reps and your company will thank you for it. So Todd, my man, my friend, thanks so much for coming back on the show and sharing the principles of the transparent sales leader with uh, sales leaders all around the world. Your work is incredible. I can't endorse it strongly enough. Listen, we're going to have links to how to gain access to Todd's work, including his books, in the show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes if you want to get more of Todd. Um, If you haven't connected with him, be sure to do so. Connect with him, get his work, follow what he shares. He'll help you become a more impactful leader. And finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked what we did today, please go out to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It goes a long way in helping me continue to get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you're going to ever give is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share it with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite, live strong, chase your passions, and don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.